now in your name we pray amen you can be seated thanks for uh being a part of our church this morning i know that there is uh ample things going on in our <laughs> in our city right now with world beat going on uh over here and then also with uh all the things you know this is the first nice weather that we've had so uh you made an incredible choice to come into a dark room uh with a bunch of people <laughs> And so, uh, glad that you're here. In uh, 2005, Steve Jobs uh, gave the commencement address at uh, Stanford University. And here's a couple of snippets from that speech. He says, you have to trust that the dots will connect at some point in the future for you. You have to trust in something, your gut, life, destiny, karma, whatever. Believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart, even when it leads you off the well-beaten path. You've got to find love. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know it when you find it. Now, Steve Jobs is, is a little bit of a modern-day philosopher today. He's a guy who, when he spoke uh, before his death, people would listen because of his immense success. So he's a guy that many people have looked to and have said, what has Steve Jobs done and how does he do it and, and how, how then should I live my life? But he's really echoing much of what our world is saying. He's, he's really echoing these things. The funny thing about it is that it is very much about faith. It, it, and it is also about love, which are two critical things. We're going to be covering verses 15 and 16 today of chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 23. Uh, this will be a new series within a series. And so let me read these two verses to you just on their own. He says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The Apostle Paul says, I, I, here, here's what I want to thank God for. I want to thank God for two things. I want to thank God for your uh, for your faith in the Lord Jesus, and secondly, for your love toward all the saints. And he says, I thank God for those two things. Now, what Steve Jobs said in this quote is essentially that faith is nebulous, it is pantheistic, and it's impersonal. It's like just pick whatever you want, your gut, your life, destiny, karma, whatever you want. It's this idea of, of being pantheistic. It's all gods. Any, any God that you want to make, whatever God you want to make in your life, you should make that God uh, uh, what, what you're about. And as a result, you're going to be able to uh, live a happy life, to live a successful life like Steve Jobs. The Apostle Paul has something different. He says to us that faith is actually specific it's exclusive and it's personal. And when you get that right, what happens as a result is that you get love for people. When you get this, this idea of this true faith, which is specific, it's exclusive and it's personal, when you get that right, when that thing, uh, when, when that thing comes together, when that congeals in your soul, what happens is this, is that you get love for people. You get love for people in a way that maybe you've never had it before, and you can thank God for that. You can't thank yourself. See, Steve Jobs only has himself to thank. 
because he chose the right thing. His gut, his, uh, his, his uh, life, his destiny, his karma, like that's, that's what he put his faith in. It's some, some smattering of, of that. That's what he did. What we are proclaiming to you, what I'm gonna talk to you about this morning is that your faith must be specific, it must be exclusive, and it must be personal. That's where true happiness and success in life, and not in this life alone, but in the life to come, that's where true happiness comes from. So what is this uh, specificity? I can't even say it, I'm not gonna try it. This specific faith, there we go. Sorry about that. (laughs) It begins with faith in the Lord Jesus. That's what happens. What is faith in the Lord Jesus? Well, it is the most important aspect. It's the most important aspect of the Christian life. It is is faith alone. It's the most important aspect of your life in Christ. It's what it all comes down to. And it begins with this idea of it is a specific faith that you must have. What is this specific faith? Well, first of all, it comes down to what God are we talking about? Which God? What, what God? Are we talking about the Mormon God? Like Mormons believe in God. The Jehovah's Witness, they believe in God. Uh, Islam has, has God. There's, all, there's gods in all of these religions. Which God are we talking about? Which God are we specifically talking about? Well, we're talking about the God of the Old and the New Testament, who has a son named Jesus. That's the God that we're talking about. That's the one that we're talking about. We're not talking about this nebulous, indeterminate God, your gut, your life, your destiny, your uh, karma, whatever. It is specifically this God of the Old and the New Testament. That's the God that we're talking about. It's a very bold claim. It is that specific God. There's a similar uh, circumstance that this this quote from Steve Jobs uh, brought up for me, which was uh, out of Acts 17. I don't know if you remember that story. Maybe you've never read it before. But the Apostle Paul, he goes into Athens, and he's standing in the midst. This is Acts 17, verse 22. He's standing in the midst of the Areopagus, which is essentially like this, this place where these philosophers and people would sit there and debate about life and about uh, circumstances and all of this stuff. And that was a huge deal during that time as they sat around talking about these things. And he, he comes to these men, who, these modern-day Steve Jobs-type guys, and he says, men of Athens... I perceive that in every way you are very religious. He looks at what they're doing, what they're saying, and he says, I perceive that they're very religious. Now, think back to this quote that I just quoted to you from Steve Jobs, where he says, you've got to trust in something. You've got to believe in something. What, where did I put that quote? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. He says, you have to trust that the dots will connect. Uh, you've got to believe that the dots will connect. You've got to trust in something. All of that stuff. What, what is he saying? He's saying you've got to have faith. The Apostle Paul himself says, man, I look at what you're saying, and on some level there is this aspect of faith in the way that you believe. See, everybody has to have faith in something. Steve Jobs is saying you must have, you've got to put faith in something in order to be able to operate. And so he's religious, and so are these men in Athens, these philosophers. He says, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, 
I found also an altar with this inscription. So he's, he's looking at their idols, whatever it was, these, these various altars. And one of them, many of them had names. One of them did not have a name. And so I've heard commentators say uh, before that they didn't want to forget about one that they didn't know about. And so they just thought, we'll just make one. Here's one just in case so we don't take the gods off. So here, here's this one to this unknown God. And he says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And then he goes on. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And this is really interesting. He quotes to modern, in, in his, not modern day, but in his day, two uh, uh, philosopher poets. One is Epimenides, and the other one is Aratus. And he says, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of even your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Two different quotes from two different poets. What's happening in our world today is that people are grasping, finding, they're looking for, what is the specific God that I should go after? Many people in the church believe that it's politics. Many people in the church, they believe that it's, 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 uh, it's doing these good things, it's, it's going to church, it's wh whatever it is. But people all over our world, not just in the church, but outside of the church, many people are looking for a specific God. And the Apostle Paul says, you're already... You're already religious. I just want to show you the true God that has this. It's not like these nebulous, like this dot connects to this dot to this dot. He says, no, he's the one who has created all the dots. He is the one who connects those dots. He is the one. And who is that one who does this? It is the God of the Old Testament who has a son named Jesus that we find, about, find out about most specifically in the New Testament and also through prophecies in the Old Testament. But that's the God that we're talking, talking about. We're talking about a specific God here that we have faith in. So first of all, it's faith in the Lord Jesus, and it's a specific God. Secondly, it's exclusive. It's exclusive. The negative way to say that would be to say it's not pantheistic. It's not worship of all the gods. It's not choose your own adventure, choose your own God. It's not anything like that. It's not just find something to believe in and believe in that and go towards it. Now, in some senses, in a worldly way, like if you find a goal and you're going towards it, you make that your God, there is some sense in which like you can try to achieve success that way. In fact, Steve Jobs, on many levels, found a God, which I believe was himself, his gut, that type of thing, and he went towards it. What this is saying is something different. What this is saying is that it's not all of these other gods, it is exclusively this God in the Bible. 
I remember talking to a woman years ago as I was, I was doing construction, I was working on her house, and she said, you know, I like the idea of Jesus. I just can't understand why you Christians always want to say that, it's a, that he's so exclusive. Why is he so exclusive? Why, why does it have to be through Jesus? Why, why is that the only way to get to God? What, what, what is so exclusive about this? Well, over and over again, what we see throughout the scriptures is that this is the only way. This is the, there is no other God. It is that God and only that God who through Jesus and only Jesus that can save you. What that means is it, Acts 4, uh, 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, uh, that, by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And then he goes on and says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, what Steve Jobs sees as salvation is this, is that success and happiness, that is my salvation. That is ultimately what I'm going for. I want success and happiness in life. You could call it a utopia. What this says is, this, is that success and happiness come only in one way through one God, and that is exclusively through the God of the Bible. There is no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way towards happiness and success, the way towards uh, your idea of utopia cannot be mandated by a God that you've, de that you've decided, either yourself or someone else or some other thing in life. It can only come through Jesus. It's exclusively through him. What that also means is this, that it cannot be faith in self. It cannot be faith in yourself. Now, just every graduation speech, every motivational talk comes down to you've got to believe in yourself. The problem with that is this, is that it means that, that when, it, when I say it's exclusive, it means having no hope, no faith, no trust, no belief in self. It means I am wholly and completely unable to accomplish what I think God has for me. I am, I am unable to do that. But so many times people say, you know, yeah, I believe in God, you know, but I, I've got to do my part as well. The, the problem with this is that your salvation, if your salvation is contingent upon you doing your part, then you actually don't need a savior. If it's contingent upon you, then you don't actually need a savior. What you need is you might need a coach, you might need a therapist, you might need a boss, you might need a pastor. The problem is, is that you don't need any of those things. What you actually need is a savior. Imagine for just a second that you've been on a hiking trip and you fell into a large crevasse and you broke both of your legs. So you're sitting at the very bottom of this crevasse. You've broken both of your legs. There is no way out other than up. But you have no legs. You cannot move. You could 
try to get a therapist. You could say, you know what? What I really need is a therapist. And the therapist could come and just say, you know what? This crevasse is really a lot like your life. What you really need to do is forgive your dad. And once you forgive your dad, then you'll be able to release all of the things in your life that would allow you uh, to become a better person. And you could be able to get out of the, the, uh, you know, the, the crevasse of your life. But you don't need a better understanding of your situation, do you? You, could, you know what? You could, you could get a geologist. And a geologist could tell you, you know where this crevasse came from is the tectonic plates shifted. And what happened was is it opened up this, this area. Like you, you could understand that a little bit better and maybe, and maybe you, you'd kind of have a better understanding of your fallenness. You could get a coach and the coach could try to tell you about your performance. Uh, uh, you know, like here, here's where you went wrong. Like you were on the side of the hill and then you slipped and so you did not do the things that I had told you to do. Like I had told you to always make sure you had, you were tied off, you were grabbing onto something, something like that. You could get a coach. You could get a, a drill sergeant. And a drill sergeant could sit there and say, you are such a sissy. I cannot believe you cannot get up. Who cares if you got broken legs? Walk it off, right? You know, you could, you could get yourself a drill sergeant. You could get a pastor. You get a pastor. A pastor could come and pray for you and say, Man, I just, you know, Lord Jesus, you know, like whatever. I don't mean to mock prayer. prayer. Prayer is good. But the truth is you don't even need a pastor. What you need is a guy who's hanging by a long cable that's attached to a helicopter that gets dropped down with a gurney and he's gonna roll you onto that gurney and he's gonna lift you out. You need somebody, you exclusively need somebody who is gonna put their life literally on the line. And they're gonna come down and they're gonna come down into your situation. They're gonna come down into your situation to where you are in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of everything that you are and they are wholly of themselves because they're not going to try to give you therapy. They're not going to give you a geology lesson. They're not going to yell at you. They're not going to tell you about your performance. They're simply going to say this, I, I'm, I just need to get you on the gurney. And, and then we need to zip you out of here. You need someone to, at, at great cost to their self who actually puts their life on the line and saves you. What we actually need is a savior. You don't need any of the, those other things. So there's no other God. It's exclusive. No other God. You cannot have faith in self. You cannot have faith in anybody else. You must be completely reliant on the Lord Jesus to save you. There has to be this sense in there that says, he is everything to me. Without Jesus, I have nothing. All of my righteous acts are like filthy rags. There's nothing I can do to actually cause or affect or to make happen my salvation. I'm, I'm sitting here in my brokenness. And what is the brokenness that this exclusive God fixes? It is sin. And sin is the desire 
to do life on my own terms, in my own way, with my own God, in my own circumstances, is to say, I'm gonna depend on my gut, I'm gonna depend on karma, I'm gonna depend on all of these things. Most Christians today believe in those things. By the way, most people who call themselves Christians are not hoping in Christ. It's like, I got Jesus, but I gotta add to Jesus something else because then things will be fine. See, that's really the problem. That's, the pro that's, that's what got us into the situation in the first place. And this is how the Apostle Paul responds to people who say that you need Jesus plus something else. Philippians 3, verses 2 and 3. He says, look out for those dogs. Who are those dogs? He's talking about people who are really religious. He's talking about the Pharisees, the Judaizers. These people who are saying, you know what you need is you need some of the Old Testament law, which said you had to be circumcised, and you need to add that to Jesus. So it's Jesus plus being circumcised. Now, if you're not familiar with the church, and all of a sudden, or the Bible at all, and all of a sudden, I just started talking about circumcision, and you're like, what the what is going on? And, and, and that's, that's got to be difficult. But just trust me, it's an Old Testament thing, uh, meaning old Christianity, old, uh, uh, yeah, Christianity. And so what the Apostle Paul says, he says, look out for those people. Look out for those dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He says, for we are the circumcision. Again, not something to be like, we are the circumcision. We are, that's, that's just so weird. But Paul is speaking to some people that know what he's talking about. And he's saying, listen, we, I don't need to do that. I am that. I don't need to do that to myself. God has made me right with him. He says, the people that are trying to tell you that you have to do that, have, that you have to add that to Jesus, they are dogs. They are mutilating the flesh. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now listen, what is faith? It's, it's faith, it is trust, it is hope, it is belief in a specific God, the God of the Old and New Testament, who has a son named Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, by the way, just to make it Trinitarian. And secondly, it's exclusively by him. There is no other God. You cannot put faith in self. There, there, you can put no confidence in the flesh. The only thing that you can do is to agree with Isaiah 64, 6, which says, all of my efforts to be with God are but filthy rags. There's that great hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It can only be of that. Don't you see? Like, if it's not specific, if it's not exclusive, there, something sneaks in there. Something sneaks in there and says, yes, but I must. Yes, but I have to. Yes, but I have to get my life right. So if you come, if you're, if you're saying, okay, I think I might want to come to God this morning. I think I might want to come to him. First of all, we've got to clarify which God. We're talking about the God of the Bible, as I said, who has a son named Jesus. Secondly, it's exclusively through him, which means this, that like, I can't come to God saying, God... 
I'm coming to you, but I'm going to clean up my life. I, I, I promise I'll clean up my life, but I'm going to come to you. No, it's, it can only be this. It can't be contingent on me cleaning up my life because here's the problem. Jesus is the one who cleans you up. Jesus is the one who makes things better. Jesus is the one who, who brings you to salvation. Jesus is the one who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Jesus is the only one. Your faith cannot be in your own abilities to clean you up. It has to be your faith in Jesus alone. And that is it, period. That's what the entire book of Galatians is about. Galatians 3, 1, O foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works or the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? The apostle Paul repeatedly goes out of his way to say, it can only be Jesus. The last thing that speaks to our faith, and then we'll move on to love, is this. It has to be personal. It's specific. It's exclusively. And now it's personally. Your personal knowledge of him and his knowledge of you. The opposite of that would be impersonal. It would be, it would be to believe that there is a God somewhere, somehow. Like, I, I believe that there is a God somewhere. I believe in this nebulous concept of his love for me. What this is saying is it's saying it's personally. It's, it's a personal connection to this God. That's what Paul is thanking God for in the, this group in Ephesus, this church in Ephesus. He's saying, I'm thanking God for your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And he's saying that because of this. Because they know Jesus personally. You might say, this Jesus guy, he's this historical figure. He's this man, how can I know him personally? Because he's not just a man. He's the God-man. He's divine, he's fully God, and he's fully man. He, he is both things. He says that by the power of his spirit, you can know him personally. You can be connected to him personally. He says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. He says the people who belong to my flock my kids, my people, my folks, my, my crew, those, those folks, they, he calls them my sheep. My sheep, they hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. What, what does this mean? Think about a mother with her new child. We have a couple of new babies in, in the office. A couple of the gals have had kiddos. It's, it's amazing. Uh, every... Uh, uh, staff meeting on, on Monday mornings just to see the girls with their new babies and, and uh, you can see them call 
uh, call their, their baby. So like Mackenzie will, will say to, to Nori, like, Nori, and, and Nori will look over and she'll, she'll look at her. The baby knows the mama, right? Nori knows her mom. Nori knows her mom's voice. Her mom knows her. Repeatedly throughout the scripture, you see God the Father, God the Son. You see this familial terminology that's talking about. He's saying, you're a part of the family. Remember what we were talking about in, in verses 3 through 14, where he's talking about you've been adopted. Like, I want you to see yourself as family. And he's not this distant father. He's not a distant son. It's not that the Holy Spirit is kind of out there somewhere. The Holy Spirit's in here. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He's, he's personally invested in you. He's personally connected to you. He, he's invested in your life and he, he hears you and you hear him. It's this personal connection. Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 through 30, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The personal God through Jesus is inviting you. What's the, what's the labor? The labor is this. You know, I tried to do the Steve Jobs thing. I trusted my gut. I busted my butt. <laughs> I'm a poet and a philosopher too. Um, I looked at karma, I did what made me happy, and I am broke down. See, there's a lot of people who did not end up like Steve Jobs. There's a lot of people, I'd say most of us, you really look at your life, look at how many times did I get fired in my early 20s? You look at all, all the mistakes that I've made over my life. You know what every single one of those was? trusting my gut, that I should go out and party the night before, and I should just go do whatever I want. I should spend my money the way it, see, I trusted my gut. I, I, I trusted who I am. The, the labor is, the, the labor is, I finally made a decision. You know what? Life's going to be better. I'm going to start doing things the right way. I'm going to start living righteously. And you know what kept happening? I'm still trusting my gut, and I'm still broke down. I'm still in a crevasse with my legs broken, thinking, you know what? I need a coach. I need a therapist. I need a geologist. I need a drill sergeant. And I had people like that in my life. Matt, get your stuff together. I had all those people. But what I really needed was a savior. Jesus says, I'm going to reveal the Father to you. Let me show you what he's like. Come to me. Just come. Yeah, but I, I got a 
big bag of crap that I've made of my life. Cease from your labors. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Cease from your labors. Know what I'm like, that I'm not asking you for more work. I'm not asking you for more labor. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? More work to do? I'll give you more services to attend. I'll give you more, more stuff to fulfill. I'll give you more of this and more of that and more of the other thing. And you better start giving and you better start serving and you better start growing. No, that's the coach. That's the drill sergeant. That's the therapist. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest from your labors. Take my yoke upon you. Take my, the yoke is the teaching. The yoke is the teaching of the rabbi. What did you do with the rabbi? You walked with him. You just walked through time. We were talking about walking last, last week. Walking in the spirit. You walk with Jesus. And the yoke is his teaching. And he just says, I just want to hang out with you. Yeah, but I... I, I <laughs> totally screwed up. Jesus, I shouldn't even be in the same crew. I shouldn't be walking with you. And he says, hey, 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 hang on. I didn't say I'm walking with you because of something you did. I said, I'm just walking you because I love you. I just love you. Take my teaching. Take my yoke. What is that? It's take my way of life. How do you get the way of life? It, every, anyone that you hang out with, you become like them. You know, there's that old adage, show me your friends and I'll show you who you'll be in five years, right? When Jesus is your friend, when you know him personally and you've taken on his way of life, that is where change comes from. It is not in the incessant beating up of yourself. It is not in saying, doggone it, I did it again. It is not in being severe to yourself. It is, it is looking at Jesus and knowing him personally. Not what, he, what, he, what he's about. Not, it's not knowing about God. Or it's not even just knowing about Jesus. It is knowing Jesus personally. It's this idea of like when I begin to read this and I go, and I go, I almost feel like as I continue to read, like Jesus, he's, he's a friend. I know him. I talk with him. I, 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 I get to experience him. I begin to think like him because I see Jesus and the woman at the well who has, I mean, Jesus has every reason in the world to not talk to this woman as a religious rabbi who's a sexual sinner beyond sexual sinners that... We even know, perhaps. And he says, nicely, hey, can I have a drink of water? What's he doing? He just strikes up a conversation. He says, what are you doing talking to me? I don't know. I just, just thought we'd talk. This is what Jesus is like. He just, 
He hangs out with sexual sinners. He hangs out with broken people. And he's their friend. And you know what he says? Your sins are forgiven. But he also says, go and sin no more. In my power. That's the catch. Cease from your labors. All is forgiven. Go and sin no more. What actually changes you? Where does life change come from? Where does, you know, that's certainly what Steve Jobs was saying in this quote as he's talking to the graduating class of 2005 at Stanford University, and he says, this is, this is how to really do it in life. What I'm gonna say to you is what Paul says in Acts. You're worshiping an unknown God. I can tell you how to worship the known and knowable God who is specifically, exclusively, and personally involved in your life. And what takes place? Life changes. If, you, if, if, if you've truly be, become a friend of Jesus, if you've truly gotten to know him, and it's more than just knowing about him, but if you've truly gotten to know him, then what happens is this, is that you begin to see this idea of, this dude still hangs out with me when I'm a total screw up. And you keep coming back to the grace of God and you keep saying, ah, oh, I can't believe you'd still be gracious towards me. I can't believe that you'd keep doing this. It says in Romans, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It's just like, I keep sinning and you keep pouring out grace. I keep sinning, you keep pouring out grace. Why do you keep doing this? It's like, it is unfathomable why he'd continue to be gracious to you. Do you know what happens as you experience the grace of Jesus, as you walk along with him, as you take his yoke upon, uh, upon you, you take his way of life? Guess what? You begin to be a gracious person. You begin to be a gracious person. Paul says there's two ways that I know that you've truly become saved. Two ways that I really know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is your faith in the Lord Jesus. And secondly, your love for all the saints. Your love for the people of God. Now how difficult is that? It's immense. <laughs> I'm hard to love. Guess what? You're hard to love too sometimes. <laughs> I hate to tell you. Let's talk to your roommate or your wife or your spouse, your siblings. Love for all the saints comes from a gracious attitude that is welling up in you because you've experienced the grace of God. That's why when we look at the church today and as people uh, uh, are just thrashing their pastors, which I, has not happened to me, but they're, because of, they believe something different, it shows they have no grace for someone who holds a different opinion from them. What, what can I say about that? I'm not sure that you know the Jesus of the Bible because you're not 
acting like the Jesus of the Bible. It doesn't look like you've taken on his yoke. It doesn't look like he's your friend. It doesn't look like you know him personally. It doesn't look like you have grace. But love for the saints grows out of this deep and personal knowledge of this specific and exclusive personal God through Jesus Christ. It's not a love just for the people that you are drawn to. It's a love for even the people that you and your natural self would be totally turned off by. Lastly is this. It's not just Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, it says, what does it mean that he is Lord? It means that you've submitted yourself to him. He's not just your friend. He's not just your God. But he rules, he reigns over your life. And so the question is this. Have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Jesus is not your homeboy. He's your Lord. Jesus is not just your friend. Jesus is not just whatever, fill in the blank, but is Jesus your Lord? Or is your gut your Lord? Is your self-reliance your Lord? Remember that sin is the desire to manage your own life, to be your own Lord and Savior, which is what Steve Jobs and most of us do on a regular basis. Faith in the Lord, Jesus is saying, I call him Lord. I hear him, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Are you following him? This is how you follow him. It is by looking at his sacrifice on the cross, trusting in that that was for me. I can do nothing to fix myself. There can be no reliance on anything that I can do. I can only trust in him to fix me. And that is where, where life change comes from. That is where the true utopia is achieved. I'm not saying that your life is gonna be perfect. It might get worse. It probably will in many respects. But you will know the God of the Bible. You will no longer value just the things that uh, Steve Jobs values. And you will have an opportunity to, to truly know and understand the God of the universe who's created all things. Trust in the Lord Jesus. And thank God for that ability. Can we go to the Lord's table?